0: Dot com slash Pod. you can search the archive and check out the show notes for each and every episode of the Google Teacher Podcast. Thank you for your continued support, and may the Googles be with you.
1: Hi, I'm Kim Laprie from the Teachers Need Teachers podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network. Just like the show you're listening to now, shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting podcasts at evupodcastnetwork.com.
2: Welcome to episode 106 of the Google Teacher Podcast, your source for the latest Google for Education news, tips, tricks, and ideas you can use in class tomorrow. I'm Matt Miller from Ditch That Textbook. Silence you know, why there's silence. Casey and I are kind of mixing up the episode a little bit today. So for this part of the episode, you just get me. So I am introducing the podcast for my co-host Casey Bell of Shake Up Learning. Uh, Casey and I were just at the TCEA conference in Austin, Texas, one of the bigger educational technology conferences here in the United States and had a great time. And, um, we were able to catch up with the Chrome squad. So the Chrome squad is this group we've had them on the the show before, um, this group of students from Roy city, Texas that do all sorts of kind of tech help things. And, um, we just, whenever we get an opportunity to talk to them, we, a, we love to talk to students B we love to talk to eloquent, thoughtful students, which are so many students anyway. Um, and see, we had a lot of different things that we wanted to ask them about. So it just so worked out that Casey was there at the conference when the rest of the Chrome squad was there. So she took the interview. <laughs> I made it to the conference, but I flew in a little bit later than, than they did. So uh, So Casey took the interview. And so we decided it would make sense to split things up and have me take the rest of the show. So guess what? You've got me for this part of the show, at least, until you start hearing from the Chrome squad. So so we're going to share with you some of their great responses to, to things that Casey has to ask them. Um, of course, we've also got Google News and updates. It's a big time of year for Google Maps. So we've got some stuff for that. We've got a couple of things from the mailbag and a couple of blog posts to share. So usually I ask Kat, Casey if, if she's ready to go, but it's just me and I'm ready to go. <laughs> so let's go. All right. So as I mentioned earlier, this is a big moment for Google Maps. Google Maps just turned 15 years old. So it was right around 2005 when we very first started getting Google Maps, which of course totally turned MapQuest on its head. (laughs) I bet you probably still remember printing out MapQuest directions and using those to navigate and google maps has sort of transformed all of that over time um and actually that's some of the stuff that they they dig into in in some of these releases so um i noticed it first because on my on my cell phone the icon changed on my google maps app um, I'm looking at my phone and I'm getting ready to plug something into Google Maps. And I'm going, where did I put that app? It's usually just sitting right here. And now it's this colorful little place marker, this colorful little pin. And so um, they've given their their entire Google Maps app for Android and iOS a refresh. Um, and so it looks a little bit different. It's also sorted around some of these uh, specific categories. They've got an explore tab where you can look for places to grab lunch, enjoy live music, play arcade games, all sorts of things. They've got a commute section, which I think is cool. It's It says when you're tra- traveling by car or public transit, the commute tab is there to make sure you're on the most efficient route and you can set up your daily commute to get real time traffic updates. And I know for me, this is nice because I don't have like the same kind of normal commute that I always used to. So being able to customize this so that it's not just to one specific place all the time is really, really nice. They've also got a tab for saved locations because it says that people have saved more than 6.5 billion places on Google Maps Um, And so you're able to start to look at the places that you specifically saved. I did want to mention with this real quick, this is just something that that I discovered. Within my Google Maps app on my phone, if I hit the little three lines button to get the menu, there's a spot that says your places. And there are all of these tabs. And one of the tabs up there is your saved places. So if you go to the same places over and over again and you don't want to have to search for them, you can put them into your saved. Um, but there's also this tab that I thought was super helpful called Reservations. So if you ever make a reservation for a trip or something, um, you can use that little three lines icon for the menu. Um, you can click on the three lines menu and then you can click on your places. And then there's a tab there for reservations. So I just threw that in there. There's also a Contribute tab where you can add information to help keep Google Maps up to date. And it's kind of amazing how... Google Maps is using crowdsourcing to do so much of what they do. And I know it's it's helped them to expand what they're able to offer. And then there's an updates tab too, where you can get updates of trending must-see spots from local experts and publishers. So if there's something new or something hot, then you're able to go get that there. So um, it's been fun to see how Google Maps has evolved over time, how it's changed um, because in 15 years, you know, things really have kind of come a long way. And in another post that, that we wanted to share, I say we, it's really just me today. And <laughs> another post that I wanted to share, uh, it talks about how Google talks about how they're charting the next 15 years of Google maps. And I thought this was interesting because I know for so many of us, Google maps is a really important tool in the classroom. But it's also a really important tool just for our lives. And so I thought it was interesting to take a look at where they've been and where they think that they're going to be going. So, for instance, they talk about how it started out Google Maps started out as simple directions, didn't it? You know, um, it said in 2009, Google Maps pioneered the turn by turn mobile navigation. Um, And then, you know, since then it's continued to go and go and go. And so, anymore now they've got this live view and you've probably seen versions of this where you know you're navigating and you can see what your traffic is going to look like ahead of you but it's also got other things like it'll um make predictions for how crowded your bus will be or which bike sharing locations have available bikes it's like it just continues to evolve with what we with what we need it to do fun fact I was just at this TCEA conference in Austin, Texas, and I had something to go to after one of the days of the conference. And I didn't really want to get like a regular ride share and I didn't have a rental car. So, you know what this uh, country bumpkin from out in the middle of nowhere in Indiana did while he was in Austin, Texas? I rented a bike. Never done that before. And I I swear this was probably the coldest day of the year in Austin, Texas. And that is the day that I decided that I needed to rent a bike. So I rented one. I rode probably, I think it was a little less than a mile or something. Um, Locked my bike up, cost me five bucks. Pretty cool. So um, that's that's another one of those places that, that Google Maps has gone. Um, it also talks about exploring the world once you get there. It says, until recently, if you're looking to grab a slice of pizza, you'd get a list of 20 nearby pizza places. But now they can help you find all the pizza spots nearby when they're open, how crowded they'll be, so on and so forth. And so um, it's kind of cool to see also where they're going with maps. Um, this talks about how... They've been working with their data operations team to trace building outlines. So trying to get the buildings just right and as accurate as they can on the map. And then once they've done it manually, they train machine learning models to recognize them so that they're able to do more. And it says because of that technique, they've mapped as many buildings in the last year as they did in the previous 10 years. And then they're also using machine learning to recognize handwritten building numbers. That would be hard for even, you know, somebody driving by in a car to see so that they're able to get those building numbers to to make uh, directions even more accurate. So, So it's interesting to see kind of where they're all going. Now, one more thing sort of related to maps. And this one has to do with one of my favorite, favorite, favorite tools to use to help students kind of like virtually transport themselves to a different place. And that is Street View. Street View is a part of Google Maps. If you pull uh, Google Maps up on a web browser, you have the little yellow Pegman that you can drag onto the screen. Um, There's also the Street View app that you can use to do a very similar thing. And you get this, you know, this sort of 360, they call it like a photosphere, you know, where you can click and drag and you can look up and down, left and right, and everything. St- the, the folks that have worked with um, Geodata and Street View and all of that shared 15 of their favorite Street Views. Now, this is pretty cool. Now, I know the last, two, um, the last two things that I just shared with you about Maps kind of have some connections to the classroom, but not totally. This one definitely does, I think, because they've picked out 15 of their favorite places to visit with Google Maps Street View all over the world. And so here are a handful of them in no particular order. Um, they talk about how you can scale Yosemite's El Capitan um, with a famous climber who is Alex Honnold. He's the first one to do the the El Capitan without any ropes as a free solo. There's a movie about that too. I highly recommend it. Um, you can float through the International Space Station in Street View. So it's possible to do that. Uh, you can go to Mongolia's Lake... Kovskal Ice Festival. I totally butchered that pronunciation probably. But basically, you're able to go on an ancient frozen lake on a horse-drawn sleigh, which is kind of cool, you know? Uh, Climb the Monarch of Mountains, Mont Blanc in the, uh, in the Alps. Ah, here's a neat one. In Tokyo, they've got cherry blossom season. And so whenever the cherry blossoms are out, it just, you know makes makes Tokyo even more gorgeous than it normally is. And so you can go walk around Tokyo during the, the cherry blossom season. Um, you can go to La Sagrada Familia's uh, lights without the crowd. This is in, um, it doesn't say on here, but I'm pretty sure La Sagrada Familia is in Spain. Um, So anyway, those are just that's like less than half of them. There's some other really amazing places that you can go visit. And of course, whenever students see this in person and get to cruise around on it um, themselves, it really does kind of make learning transform. You know, they're able to kind of own it and go explore it on their own. It's really, really cool. All right. Last one I want to share with you. P.S. This is still so weird not getting to bounce this back and forth with Casey. And I know you just get my voice and that's all that you get. So um, hopefully this is still super useful to you. Um, Google's put out a post about how they're supporting the 2020 U.S. election. Of course, you know, it is election season. The Iowa caucuses are just sort of wrapping up as of the recording of this. And we are less than nine months away, I believe, if I did my math right, from the general election. And so, um, you know, as the the news continues to tell us um, misinformation or fake news or whatever you want to call it um, continues to be an issue. Um, there's always fact checking. We've got deep fakes to deal with now. If you're not familiar with deep fakes, these are the videos that are created that look like they are a person saying something in their own voice, but it's actually not them. And they are really, really hard to, to determine. Google has taken on the task of doing whatever they can to um, help people through all of this. So for instance, um, you know, across Google Play, Google Ads, YouTube, um, they've got new policies to um, to take care of misleading claims and promote transparency about the sources of information. Um, they're working together with Jigsaw on uh, deepfake detection, so that we're not, you know, hopefully we're not duped by some of these deepfakes because that's in place. Um, so there's all of that. Another thing that I think they're that they're doing that I think is really cool is that they're working with campaigns. And elected officials on how they can effectively use Google and YouTube to reach their voters. So now it's not just kind of like the wild west and let them use it. However, they're actually working hand in hand with them to make sure that things are being done ethically and responsibly and efficiently too. You know, um, and then they've also got tools for voters as well. And so uh, the algorithm, the Google algorithm, elevates authoritative content. You know, the stuff that that has been proven to be useful and real and true. Um, You know, they're, they're also working with um, YouTube to broadcast political events and debates. They're live streaming things. Um, And there's even a political ads transparency report um, that, that kind of helps us to see, you know, where political ads are coming from and what they're doing. So lots of things uh, related to that. And so it's it's useful to know this, I think, especially if you have students that you're going to be talking to about the election. My wife teaches uh, senior government. Uh, she's a social studies teacher. This is going to be an ongoing discussion with her through the rest of the school year and into the beginning of the next one. And so having some of these tools are super, super helpful. So... There you go. There's some, some new things coming out in Google. Of course, if you want to check out any of this stuff, you can head to our show notes at googleteacherpodcast.com slash 106.
1: Hey y'all, I am super excited to introduce to you our next guests. So I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight members of the Chrome Squad, including their leadership from Roy City, Texas at Roy City High School, and many of you may recognize this group because this is now the third time we've had them on the podcast, so I am so excited. I am missing my partner, Matt Miller, who is probably on the plane right now on his way here, but we couldn't get everybody in the room at the same time. We are hidden in a corner of the Hilton um, right next to the men's bathroom, so we (laughs) we're just on schedule i think i've got to turn these levels down it's really loud okay so i'm going to turn it over to cody holt who is the teacher leader of the program and let him tell you what his real title is because i think i just butchered it um so cody tell us a little bit about the chrome squad and the evolution of the chrome squad over the years
3: yeah absolutely so my name is Cody Holt. I am actually now the coordinator of instructional design, so I've had a title change this year, and um, and so we started the Chrome Squad, I believe, five years ago uh, when we went one to one at our high school campus, um, and the Chrome Squad really is the the team that makes the whole thing work. Um, since then, uh, we've expanded down to our uh, our current middle school and we're adding a program to another middle school and so I kind of oversee those programs and um, so actual day-to-day operations for Chrome Squad is actually done by Angela Arledge.
4: Hi my
1: name is Angela Arledge and I am the Innovative Learning Specialist at Roy City High School. Okay, so we are going to hear from the students now, my favorite part. I love when I get to talk to students, so we're going to have them go around and introduce themselves. Every student on the Chrome Squad has a specific job on the Chrome Squad, so they're also going to tell you what they do. So,
5: Hey guys, um, I'm Chloe Lewis. I'm a senior this year. This is my third year on the Chrome Squad, and I am the team lead of the inventory team.
6: Hi, my name is Jonathan Pence. I'm a senior this year. It's my third year on Chrome Squad, and I'm the promotions team lead.
7: Um, Hi, I'm Colin. This is my second year on Chrome Squad. I'm also a senior, and I'm the podcast team lead.
8: Um, Hi, I'm Casey Kirkendall. This is my first year on Chrome Squad. I'm a sophomore, and I'm a member of our Ninjas badging team.
9: Hi, I'm Matthew Homan. I'm a senior. I'm, uh, this is my second year in Chrome Squad, and I'm also a team lead for the inventory team. Hi, I'm Nick Wilson. I'm a junior. This is my second year in Chrome Squad, and I'm a member of the inventory team.
1: So, So let's start off now. You told me your titles here, but I don't know what all of that means. So you said inventory team. So tell us a little bit about what that means and how you kind of divide and conquer as a team.
5: So the inventory team is mainly behind the scenes compared to most of the other teams. So we do most of the work in the Chrome Lounge where it's like fixing the Chromebooks, making sure that the organization of like having where the Chromebooks are, like the Google Sheets with every Chromebook is like filled out correctly and that we know where everything is at every at any given time. Um, we also do the on-site Um, fixes so over and over the years we've actually started to increase that so over the years we used to ship them out but actually we do a lot of them on site now but some of them we still like Dell Tech Direct and they like send us the part and then we can actually fix it or there's a few of them that we can't so we have to send it to them but we also get to deal with the inventory on Google Sheets, and Matt can talk about how we do the how we do the <laughs> software. No.
9: Oh. Um. So this year, as uh, a new thing that we're doing, is we're trying to kind of custom code our own inventory software, um, using Snipe it. Snipe it. Snipe it. Snipe IT. I, I don't know how they pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> using uh, Snipe it as a base, and uh, yeah, we're just trying to code our own software. Is that its What What is that? It's it's, it's an old, its own. Platform. Its
1: own system. Okay.
9: Um, And we're basically just using that uh, to kind of create an inventory system that suits our needs specifically.
1: So, how many devices do you have on your high school campus? Uh,
9: the high school campus has about
3: 1,600 devices, and we have another about 4,000 between the middle schools and the elementaries.
1: And just to catch everyone up who may have not heard the earlier podcast, because this team was actually a solution to supporting one to one on your campus because they knew they couldn't actually pay that many adults to manage that many devices. And I know a lot of schools face that problem. You want to go one-to-one, but, hey, these things don't run themselves, and they don't fix themselves. So, um, so, so tell us how that, that came to be.
3: Yeah. Uh, so um, when we first kind of envisioned the idea of Connecting for Learning, which is our one-to-one program, uh, it, we were actually going to hire three full-time uh, employees. I was one, and we're going to hire the other two to take care of the maintenance side of stuff. Um, and last minute they decided nope we're not going to do that um, and so that's when we decided to use student interns and at first really it was kind of I would take care of the professional development and the students would take care of breaks you know break fixes but but these guys are so capable that they actually started taking over a lot of the professional development for, uh, for teachers uh, for example Casey's team and what they're doing badging and, and um, Say KCM and Colin's team, um, who you know is doing podcasting, and Johnny's team is doing promotions. they they're doing a lot of the professional development for us now,
1: and that's awesome. And I've seen that firsthand. I've, yes. I've been on your campus many times. Cody and I have a long history together. We've worked together many times, and I have really enjoy seeing how this has come to fruition and walking the halls and seeing the posters and hearing about all the amazing things that you're doing. So let's, let's get into these, these other jobs. So tell us, um, Jonathan, tell us about the promotion. What, what does that entail?
6: So, uh, You know, most importantly, we're the social media presence for Chrome Squad. Uh, We have an Instagram and a Twitter that we run.
1: Tell us that. Tell them them how they can follow you.
6: You can follow us on Twitter at uh, Chrome underscore Squad and on Instagram at RC underscore Chrome Squad. Um, And so we post content that our team creates, the things that our other teams are uh, creating. We post updates on what they're up to, and we also do shout-outs for teachers and different things that are going on inside the district. Uh, we also work as kind of a way of reaching people outside of the district, people that have questions about our program, people that want to reach out to us, things like that.
1: And I know that this program has sparked probably hundreds of other teams in other places, and um, I know that the team has been invited to be at the main google campus in mountain view you're presenting here at tcea you've presented at iste Um, and so you definitely have a huge following if you don't know this you do but i'm i'm really curious too so in working with teachers and promoting these things to teachers what is the reaction you get from the teachers about what you do as, as a squad are they used to it now? Do they expect it? Do they like you? Are they threatened by anything?
9: I'd say they're pretty used to it, and they kind of expect okay. it. A lot of times we'll be in class doing our normal work, and we'll have a teacher say, is anyone in Chrome Squad in here to help them fix their computers and stuff like that.
1: That's nice. Or, I, I think a lot of teachers wish they had that. <laughs> or if, like,
5: they know a class you're in, and they know it's not a core class, they'll, like, Call you and be like, hey, can they come down really quick? (laughs) Or they have like their go-to person in Chrome Squad, and they know like what class period they're in. So, and it's like it's crazy because I remember last year when we went to Dell, like we didn't realize. Like it's always been a norm for us because when we came to the high school, like Chrome Squad was already there. So like having it like established was the norm for us. And then we went there and like they were like talking about how like other schools didn't have it, and we're like we just realized like oh that's huge
1: is this year four what year Five, f- Fifth year of this program yeah. okay grief time flies okay yeah that's that's awesome so okay we hit promotion and then last year when matt and i met with the crumb squad you were talking about this new podcast so um colin that's that's your role right so tell us about the podcast um yeah so this is our second year of having the podcast
7: and last year we kind of like had it more for teachers but now we're kind of like made by students for students um and with podcasts, we learn a lot of like sound editing, like recording, website editing, and stuff like that.
1: What do you talk about on the podcast?
7: Um, it's kind of different every time. Um, we talk about a lot of like current events going around our school. Um, we interview students a lot for like their input on things, and we just talk about like how we use technology. And we have a team called Tech Tips. So we normally like say tech tips that, are useful
1: for students, and you said it's it's a it's pretty short, like yes. Seven our podcasts minutes?
7: are like around seven minutes
1: long, and okay. is the audience the teachers, the students, everybody? It's kind of for everyone, but it's mostly for students But and teachers. So, how how is that going? Are you are you getting listeners or people? Um, yeah, we have like slowly been getting like more listeners, but. Yeah. Okay. And if anyone wants to subscribe to the podcast, how can they do that? Where will they find that information? It's
7: on our Connected for Learning website, so connectedforlearning.org, and then under the
1: podcast. And that's with the number four, right? In the... the F-O-R. Oh, F-O-R. Okay. So, Connected, F-O-U-R. No, four. Not the number four. <laughs> it's in your logo, okay. isn't it? I'm not making this up. There's, There's a four somewhere. Okay, I'm staring right at it. I'm like, okay, I, I am blonde okay. sometimes. Magnet there we go. Casey's catching up. Connected I- for your learning. Yeah, connected for your learning. Yes. Thank you for uh, explaining me. Um, I, I think,
4: too, one of the things that podcast has really tried to do is um, help build the culture at RCHS. So, of course, we want to focus on, like, innovative learning and technology. But they're also doing shout-outs to other organizations. For instance, our theater department just did um, an Annie production. So they're interviewing the some of the students that were involved in that production, Um, And so it's not just about that. It's about the school culture. And so I really like the turn that they've made this year with that
1: yeah that's awesome I, I love that so and of course I'm a fan of podcasting so I will be listening and would would love to to hear how that continues to grow and and build that culture with, with the teachers and students so and then we have Casey who by the way spells her name exactly the same way I do so we're we're now BFF since she just doesn't know it Casey tell us um your role is in the professional learning piece right I'm sorry
8: so I'm a member of our badging team badging and so when we created that, we really wanted to create a way to honor our teachers that were using innovative learning in their classrooms. And so um, teachers can earn badges in each of the four distinctions of growth, impact, agency, and connect. Wow. So then when teachers earn four badges in an area, they earn like a new title. And so then the teachers have the opportunity to add titles to level up and earn prizes. And so it's been really great. We've seen a really positive impact on it because Teachers are now able to request training from us as Chrome Squad members over specific applications and then it also gives them an opportunity to reflect over the lessons that they're using in their classroom because they have to provide evidence when they're applying for a badge.
1: Okay, mind blown. That's, yes. that's yes. awesome. Oh, so good. Yeah, she's got that elevator speech yeah. Down. yeah,
8: great job. She's ready to present today. Yes. <laughs> yes,
1: yes, yeah. this is good rehearsal, isn't it? So um, they're presenting right after we finish recording. I, I love that. So can you give us some examples? So what types of things will teachers do to earn those badges?
8: Um, so we use Bulb for teachers to go in and provide their evidence and so they'll link their bulb for us on the badging team to be able to get to their bulb to see all the evidence they've used and so I mean we have badges from if they're using google classroom in their classroom if they're using um gmail if they're um there's nearpod yeah and there's we're currently looking at adding some more badges right now for other applications that teachers are using that we haven't thought about adding and so the incentive they get these new titles.
1: What's an example of a new title?
8: Um, so, if they were to get four badges in the growth area, they become a growth guru. Growth guru, and then they also
1: get prizes. And we know teachers like prizes. So, what can they get?
8: Um, we have T-shirts, mugs. So, I think so.
3: The, yeah. So the first level yeah. is something small, it's it's like a, a soft it's socket. It's
8: like a phone wallet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh huh.
3: Um, it changes every other. Okay,
1: wonderful. yeah, yeah, no, but you have like a mm-hmm. store set up with some of the stuff, or you did at some point. Am I making this up? No, we no, do. Have we do have a store. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we have <stores> crazy. Remember that? Okay.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, set prizes for each title or distinction they earn, and so it works up to. Um, like a shirt and jeans pass every week. That's worth uh, a lot. Yeah, that that's the big one. <laughs>
1: uh,
3: but they do. We actually do have a campus store that's run by a different team.
1: Okay, yeah. so I, I'm kind of merging just, two yeah. two ideas too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so are the teachers yeah. really like responding well to the system, and they yeah. want to get mm-hmm. these next levels? They
8: are. And then um, we recently partnered with our Chrome team. And so okay. we're this past semester, we've opened a new role where we have badge buddies. Uh-huh. And so us, as Chrome Squad members, we go out and we select a teacher, and we kind of walk them through the process if they've never applied for a badge or earned a badge. We walk them through the process of how to use it in their classroom, how they can apply for it, the evidence that they need to show. And so then by doing that, we've seen teachers that maybe necessarily, they don't know that they're using these learning techniques in their classroom when they are, and so now it's just a way for them to reflect about what they're doing in their classroom yeah and
4: shout out to our chrome crew that was their idea of the badge buddy so
3: yeah so Chrome crew is our our, one of our middle school programs
1: oh okay they're doing amazing things at the middle school too that's amazing so i love that and i love the fact that so much of this is truly Mm -hmm. student-led cody and i have talked about this many times but that you meet as a team and you have been empowered to make decisions on the team right you get to to come up with ideas like creating things and podcasts and buddies and all kinds of things. So uh, what I'm really curious about, I know you have to go get ready for your presentation, but I want to know, so most of you are seniors or all of you were most, um, most. Okay. So a lot of you are seniors. So being a part of the Chrome squad, has this, changed any of the decisions you're making as you look at college, and maybe where you want to go, the type of career that you want to have?
9: Um, I would say definitely. I, uh, because of my (laughs) role, uh, I'm on the inventory team, and I uh, do a lot of the repairs, and so it's made me really consider, and I want to go into college now majoring in uh, electrical and computer engineering, mostly because of my role in chrome squad like what i want to do as a job when i grow up is work at a health desk at a company like we do in chrome squad because of my experience there and of all the things i've learned by uh being a part of it
1: anyone else like is, is this making you think about careers differently
6: i'd say most definitely um it's it's made me think a lot about the type of environment i want to work in when i do have a job um and it's it's obviously influenced me to look at more um tech oriented jobs um, like Matt I'm wanting to go into electrical and computer engineering uh, when I go on to college and um, there were a lot of different things that interest me early on in high school and so Chrome Squad has kind of aimed me more towards the tech industry. Yeah. And um, just kind of a, another story I had one of our
3: former Chrome Squad members they're, they're at UT now uh, UT. Yep. Yep. we can all forgive you later mm-hmm. um, <laughs> But he messaged me yesterday and said, hey, I changed my major. He was in nursing. He switched to communications because of what he was doing in Chrome Squad. He realized he really had a passion for kind of that avenue of just communicating and sharing with
1: people. That's cool. That's cool. And, and it's not just the, just the actual things that you're doing because you all may not recognize this yet, but you're walking away with skills that are going to transfer into whatever career path you choose I know we're almost out of time is there is there anything else that we've missed or that you want to be sure and share i just say if
4: if you want to start a program similar to this at your school um the absolute most important thing is to look at your student interns and what you want and so mr Holt has done such a wonderful job of establishing the core values of these students and um and you know technology is important but it's not the most important thing and that's not what we look for when when we are trying to find these student interns so just uh just figure out what you want in 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 your interns and then um don't budge from that just make sure that you uh find that exact one that'll fit what you want
3: yep um and we know that kind of getting this started from scratch is difficult uh because when we try to get uh, try to get this started there wasn't anybody else to go to that that we knew of um and so just an invitation we we do help other programs get started we've been doing that for years so feel free to you know to reach out and uh, connect with us on our website or through uh, twitter or instagram and uh, we would love to help
1: Okay. And we'll be sure and have links to everything in the show notes for everyone. Cause I'm sure that's where a lot of people are like, okay, I want to do this. How, how do we do it? And, kudos congratulations to all of you for being invited here to speak and for the amazing things that you're doing I think I cry every year and I'm trying really hard not to because I am so proud of this program and um, knowing and seeing this grow over the five years has been really just a privilege so um, thank you for all that you do for everyone because I love that you're giving back to both the students and the teachers and the entire community and making this bigger than Just the technology. And I think we all love that. So thank y'all for joining me today.
8: Thank you. Thank you. uh, There's a letter in your mailbox.
10: Hey, you know what? This is all your mail.
2: Hey, maybe I'll give you a call sometime. You've got mail. It is time for the mailbag. And we've got a couple of great entries for you today. Uh, The first one comes from Chuck Day. He's a fifth grade teacher from Castleford, Idaho. And He is a big fan of Bitmojis, just like I am. And I know that many of us are. And so he's got a question related to that. So Chuck, go ahead and take that.
10: Hi, Matt and Casey. My name is Chuck Day. I'm a fifth grade teacher out in Castle Ford, Idaho. Go Wolves. And um, we, so we've been trying to work with my tech person and we've been trying to get Bitmoji. We're trying to get that to work with our Chromebooks and I figured uh, the Bitmoji app would be a great way for the students to kind of personalize their learning and, and um, create some presentations to demonstrate their knowledge. And um, and then they could use their little avatars to, um, you know, create create slideshows and, and videos and things like that. But I haven't been able to, to get it to sync up with Chromebooks. So I was able to get it approved through the Google Play Store but I can't seem to get it to work with the Chromebooks. So if you had any ideas, I'd love for you to, to get back to me and give me some information. Maybe there's something out there that I'm, would help me uh, get this to work. Or maybe, maybe you have another idea of some ways that kids can, um, can use different app or a different um, product to kind of demonstrate their learning. Anyway, I'd love to hear from you. and Like always keep up the good work. Um, love, love the podcast once again.
2: Okay. So let's start to unpack this whole Bitmoji thing because I thought exactly the way that you have, Chuck, that um we love Bitmojis. They're a lot of fun. They can show our personality. Of course, they have our appearance on them. And they're they're just they're just a great thing that we could add to lots of things in the classroom. Now, I've kind of dug into this a little bit about how how to um, make these available to students. And some of the roadblocks I've run up against are these. Uh, For instance, Bitmoji's terms of service is 13 plus. So if you've got students that are younger than that, then technically as of the terms of service, they can't use the app. That's not to say that they can't use the images, but they can't use the app. Um, If you scroll through Bitmoji for very long, you start to see that there are some (laughs) less than appropriate Bitmojis. And... Again, based on the age of your students, uh, that would cause a little bit of concern for me of them running across some of those or potentially using some of those. And then here's another thing too, is that Bitmoji is owned and operated by Snapchat. Um, I just tried to log out and log into my Bitmoji account. And usually the easiest way to get into a Bitmoji account is to use a Snapchat account, which again, if kids are not old enough to have Bitmoji. They're definitely not old enough to have Snapchat. And so those are things that can kind of be roadblocks. There are other avatar apps out there that are similar to Bitmoji. And I want to throw this one out to um, all of you listening and just to see if you have any sort of alternatives. I've seen people ask this in twi- on Twitter. I've never totally dug into it before, but I know that, that people have some really good things. So super super curious to see what you've um, got to say there so uh, definitely tweet to us um, at G teacher podcast um, or head over to the google dot com and um, leave us a message you know either through a voice message like uh, this one or um, you know, by leaving a comment or something like that would really, really love to hear from you on this. Here's one workaround that I came up with. I don't promise that it is the slickest and easiest one, but it may potentially work. So here's, here's what I'm thinking is that as the teacher, I would be able to download and use the Bitmoji app. Now, what you could do at the beginning of the year is you could, um, set the appearance of the person in the Bitmoji that would match or be similar to some of your students and then download a whole bunch of Bitmoji images that they might want to use, you know, the appropriate ones, the ones that fit with class and throw them into a Google drive folder and then change the appearance a little bit and throw some more into a Google drive folder. Um, now this is of course tricky because your students don't all look alike. And um, again, I'm, I'm saying this is not the, the ideal um, and it would take some time, but that's one way to make Bitmojis available to students is if you download a whole bunch of them that look like a certain student, or if a couple of students look the same, they could use the same ones and then just pull them out of some Google Drive folders. You just give those students access to those folders, maybe put a link to them in um, you know Google Classroom, and then they're able to pull from those Bitmojis kind of uh, throughout the year. That's one way to do it. If you want to see a tutorial video of how to do that, um, that'll be available on our show notes as well at googleteacherpodcast.com slash 106. That, as far as the official Bitmojis, that's one way to do it. Again, super curious to hear what you all have related to this. Here's another one. This one is from Mark Roop. He's a fifth grade teacher. We got the fifth grade teachers coming out here today from Danuba, California, which is near Fresno, as he tells us. Um, Mark also did tell us, he said, he's been teaching for 32 years and he started with one Apple IIe computer in a class of 31 kids. Oh my goodness, how times have changed. And so here's what Mark asks. He says, Matt, you mentioned in episode 96 that Jamboard can input files from Google Drive. Also, I could be wrong, but you mentioned that Jamboard could be pushed out via Google Classroom. And he says, where well, are you talking about the mobile version? He began playing on Jamboard. Um, love it, thanks to the podcast. But he can't find buttons or menu items to do the above. So uh, I jumped into Jamboard as well. Just go into jamboard.google.com, opened up one of the jams. You know, Jamboard is kind of like their whiteboarding app where you can put sticky notes and writing and all of that. Um so I opened one up and I think this is what we were talking about is that to to pull images from your Google Drive you can definitely do that. So in that case all you do is you click the little image icon along the left at least if you're using the desktop version. And then one of the options in the tabs up above says Google Drive. So you can pull images in. Um and then if you want to share it through Google Classroom probably the best and easiest way to do that is to hit the blue share button in the top right hand corner. And then change who has access and make it anyone with the link. And if you want students to just see it, then you make it anyone with the link can view. If you want them to be able to edit it, you change it to anyone with the link can edit you grab that link and then you drop that into Google Classroom. That's probably the easiest way to do it. I also have not found like an official Google Classroom button, but of course, you don't need a Google Classroom button to share a link within Google Classroom. So that's probably my best suggestion on how to do that. So again, one more time, real fast, uh, if you want to check out any of the resources related to any of this, head to googleteacherpodcast.com slash mm-hmm. 106. All right. We have just about wrapped up this show. So I'm going to share a couple of blogs, um, on Casey's blog as well as mine. Since she's not here to share them, I'm going to, you know, kind of gush a little bit about some of the cool things she's got on her blog as well. So let's start with Casey's. Uh, she's got this post that has what, what she calls a fake Instagram template in Google slides. This is a pretty cool thing. So, um, she had a, guest Carly Black who created this fake Instagram template and so if you take a look at it you're able to put the you know kind of like the profile picture and then the the different little circles that go up above it I'm so Instagram illiterate. I can't even remember what those are. And then you can replace the images to make it kind of like the grid. This is kind of like the profile page of the Instagram account. And so students are able to create that and make, you know, like a name and a tagline. So it'd be like making an Instagram, a fake Instagram account for somebody. Pretty cool. You can get a free download of that uh, template right there on Casey's website. She also has recently done an interview with Carrie Bauckham, who wrote a book called My Pencil Made Me Do It, A Guide to Sketchnoting, which I absolutely adore. I actually uh, got the privilege of writing the foreword to that book. Um, Love, love, love Carrie's work. And um, so she interviews her and pulls some of the neat ideas about sketchnoting and how you can do that in the classroom in that. And then uh, Casey's also got her Shake Up Learning book study. That starts... February thirteenth, so that is coming up pretty quickly. That's Thursday of this week, when um, at least the week that the this episode is released. So um, we've got links in the show notes to all of that stuff. I've also got a post that I wanted to share with you. It's called Classroom Tech: Should I Use It? Ten Considerations. So you know, sometimes you hear people say, "Don't use technology just for the sake of using technology." Um, so if that's the case, what does that look like? And so I pulled out 10 different questions that you can ask yourself to see, is it worth it to actually use technology in the lesson that you're teaching? So there's a couple of, here's a couple of the questions. One is, does it make us more productive? Um, does it help students create better products to demonstrate what they learn? Um, does it create digital fluency? Um, you know, just a wide variety of things that you can, um, that will help you think through that very question. I've also got a link to a really cool resource called, I'm, I'm just calling it the ultimate Google slides teacher resource. And this is where I've gathered tons and tons of the neat creative things that you can do with google slides in the classroom um lots of the posts that i've written lots of the tutorial videos and the step-by-step guides are all in this one place so we've got links to all of those in the show notes at google teacher com slash 106 All right, friends, that wraps up this episode of the Google Teacher Podcast. Very insightful interview with the Chrome Squad. Super thankful to them uh, for participating in that and for Casey for running it. Um, This has, again, been just a little bit of a different episode. So I hope you've enjoyed it. hope you enjoy the podcast. Of course, if you haven't already, we would love to have you subscribe to the podcast, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And if you haven't rated and reviewed it before, that really does help us get the podcast out to other people who might want to listen to it. So thank you so much for listening. We so appreciate it. We love being able to serve you and um, create this podcast so you can listen to it. So uh, that'll do it for this episode of the Google Teacher Podcast. And we will see you on the next episode.
0: Bye, (laughs) y'all. Thanks for listening to the Google Teacher Podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts and by visiting our website, googleteacherpodcast.com. Join the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag GTPod. Until next time, keep harnessing that g Suite power and may the Googles be with you.